right, I'm privileged, honoured, all of these good things to have um, Paul here. Welcome to Too Much Information. Thank you for for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Just, just to give a little background to yourself, just kind of why I chose you, as I asked you to um, be part of this, really was this ama the amazing book that you wrote, 101, 101 Lessons I, I Taught My Son. Um, it's an amazing, amazing book. Um, as soon as I read it, it was something that um, I... It was something that I needed and didn't know that I needed, if that makes sense. I hear that. Um, so, yeah, it was, I was really grateful for that. And then we just happened to be, all of a sudden, we just happened to be in the same Facebook group. And, um, yeah, here we are. So I'm I'm really happy. I'm really grateful that you took time out of your day to do this. Um, and I look forward to picking that brain of yours, man. Obviously, this is the fatherhood series, so kind of maybe focusing a bit more on your experience with your father, um, and yeah, that how how that worked with you growing up. So, um, I, I grew up probably for the first sixteen years with my father right. and my mother. Okay. Um, without too fine a point, my my father was a so I grew up in Jamaica. Okay. So my, my father was <clears throat> what I would call a man of his time. Mm -hmm. yeah? to, to be as polite as I can. Yes. Yeah? He was a man of his time, which um, brought with it a number of characteristics, which I, I certainly didn't aspire to. Um, in, in, in the father sort of mode, like in everything, I guess there are good points and bad points. Mm -hmm. So the good points were he was always there. Right. He certainly provided for us um, as well as someone who had a, not a flash, flash sort of education or anything, but he was a very hard worker. Right. And so as a consequence of that, me and my brother, I have one brother, never went without. Okay. Um, but the moment you start to talk about a parent, mm -hmm. and, and that's the sort of references you pull, I, 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 I know that it, it gives pay to the other side of the story. Mm -hmm. So my, my father was a, what I would call a, a typical hard, hard Jamaican man. Right. Yeah, which, which meant you know, born in the 30s in Jamaica, mm -hmm. grew up in the countryside, um, big family, um, boys and girls who were very early age responsible for themselves. Right. Man, looked good. Um, spent a couple of years in America working. <clears throat> spent a couple of years in the UK working. And as a consequence of that, when he went back to Jamaica, I feel that like many men, he he lost his way. 
Okay. You know, that, that, that's not to say he was perfect when he was in the UK. Right. But I think going back to Jamaica allowed him a certain privilege and a, and a certain... Status, maybe. Status, yeah. I was going to say wealth, but status is probably a better word. He had certain skills, so he wasn't just a standard painter and decorator. Right. But rather, he, was, he, he did murals, which were very right. popular back in those days. Mm-hmm. So he, he made good money, is the long and short of it. He, he made very, very good money. Mm-hmm. And um, he decided that womanizing was a thing to do. Okay. <laughs> you know? Um, and and that had a, had a huge effect. Early in your life? Sorry. Yeah. Is, this, is this early in your life that you're... Yeah, you're talking about, you're talking about from the age of about eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. So, so for us, that sort of impacted on the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and the inevitable happened in terms of divorce and so on. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, these, these were men, you know, because if I look across the whole spectrum of, of not just him, but men of his age. Yes. It was kind of normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and, and and I say that without wanting to make excuses for them. No, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until later in my life that um, when I when I thought about my father, he, he passed away when I was back here in the UK. Right. And I, and I thought about it, and I you know because I I I didn't take it very well. I didn't communicate with him for years. Okay. And I, I just thought to myself, you know what, Paul? Yes, his behavior was wrong, but you need to put things into context. Hmm. And, and, I, and I stress that I don't think what I'm trying to do is say he was right. Yeah. I'm just saying he was a man of his time. Mm-hmm. And the men, and, and this is a, a huge point for me, the men who weren't like that yes were exceptional and very very much remains the case here now where exceptional men aren't talked about that's a a very that's a very profound we we don't talk about the exceptional men because what it is that makes them exceptional yeah we're all very quick to say, well, they should be doing that anyway. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we're all very, very quick to say. You know, they should be doing it anyway. They right. don't get more credit for that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, if we looked at it the other way around, we would see the exceptionality in what they're doing mm-hmm. because they're going against the grain. Mm. They're not falling into this they are men of their time situation. Right. So, you know, I, I think in every experience, mm-hmm. you learn things from every everything. Yes. You either learn to duplicate mm-hmm. or you learn to reject. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. So my, my whole thing, especially when it came to my son, yes. was about... I would not want my son in reflection to, to be looking back at my fathering of him 
and seen what I saw when I looked back at my dad. Man had a great work ethic. You know, he had a great work ethic in terms of working, you know, hard worker, looked after his house, looked after his household and certain things. But, you know, you could never say words like emotional intelligence to my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just be a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Um, just, Just not things that concluded work with him. So, you know, that, that, that's my experience. My experience has it taught me a lot, mm-hmm. you know? But like I said, you know, as, as young men, or oh, well, women, we have a choice in terms of what do we do? Do we take that and say, that's the norm? That's mm-hmm. how I'm going to be too? Mm-hmm. Or do we take that and say, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Yes. You know, that, that's not going to work for me. Mm. I think that's a I think that's a common um what I would call a cross a common crossroad moment in a lot of in a lot of people's lives. So it can apply to someone with an absent father or someone with a um a father that maybe makes decisions that they don't agree with or understand at the time or even afterwards. That moment where you you decide that out of all of all the decisions that you have to make in life, the one thing that you're sure of is that you're not going to repeat that mistake because you've seen the consequences of that mistake. So that's that's um that's something that is, has been a definite been definitely been a common thread through a lot of these conversations that I've had regarding fatherhood and even in other areas and even in my own kind of, I don't know, writings and kind of thought processes and conversations is those crossroad moments that have profound impact on the direction of your life and your kind of moral compass and your emotional intelligence, like you mentioned. Um, What I'd read, you you did mention that there was a period of time where you didn't speak to your dad um, through your own choice through your own disagreements in his actions. Um, was that something that was taken by him as, did he accept that? Was that something that you were constantly having to reinforce your decision? Or um, was it just something that, you know, you just, there was no way for him to contact you, so he didn't even figure in? Well, I, I guess if he wanted to contact me, he could have. Mm-hmm. But I, I, and again, you know, you know, you have to think about the man you're talking about. Yeah, uh, yes, I, I, yeah, yeah. So, so let, let's be clear, for mm-hmm. him to reach out, mm-hmm. mean that he would also have had to have accepted that perhaps he had done something wrong. Mm. <laughs> so, so that, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah? Mm. So, so you know, there, there's there's no there's no sort of combat that you know. Look, I probably did. no. There's none of that. Yeah. So he he wouldn't reach out. That that wasn't within his characteristics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I certainly I took I took the decision I took, which I think was the right one. Yeah. Um. That. And I think it's something that I've I've kept going throughout most of my adult life. Really. Okay. 
if you don't contribute positively to my life, mm. I don't need you. You know? That's, that's, that's I, true. I just don't have that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah? You know, we, 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 we joke about it and say, you know, if you don't pay my rent, then uh, that. But if you're not contributing positively to my life, what are you bringing into my circle? You're bringing grief. You're bringing, you know, trouble. There's no need for that. Mm-hmm. And as you get older and you have control over your environment, mm-hmm. you can make those choices. And that's the choice I made. Mm-hmm. And so you said it, so you, you, def- you definitely said it was the right decision that you made. And like, even looking back on it now, was it something that did you, did you rekindle any sort of relationship before you passed or? No. No. Um, in, in that sense, I probably have that characteristics for him. I am, I don't take decisions lightly. Uh-huh. But when I took that decision, for me, it was the right decision. It was a thought out thing. And um, mm-hmm. like I said, unless the paradigm shifted yeah. and suddenly he was in okay. some way contributing positively, yeah. then as, as long as those conditions stay the same, then there is no, no catalyst mm-hmm. to create that, that moment of change. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed away when I was in the UK. Yeah. Uh, my, my brother, who still lives in Jamaica, rang me and told me. Mm-hmm. And I just went back to bed because there's nothing I can do. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I'm definitely not flying down there because that's hypocritical. Of course. You know, I, I don't think we exchanged probably about six words. You know, he had a, he had a, he had a car accident. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in the military at the time, and my mom contacted me and said, you know, your dad had a car accident. You should go and look for him. Mm-hmm. And if my mom tells me to do something, I'm going to very much do it. Mm-hmm. So I walked up to the house, stepped into the house. My mom said I should say hi. And I turned and left. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm happy to concede that those are probably some of his characteristics. Right. But, um, you know, you, you, you reap what you sow. I and, I, and I know for sure that he, he regretted his actions because my brother was pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, a, li- a little softer, but very much the same. And my brother is a very significant figure in Jamaica um, on television all the time, on radio all the time. Right. Very significant. And it has not escaped our thinking that perhaps he would have liked to have been able to relate, certainly to my brother, on that level. Mm-hmm. You know, because to have a son who, my, my brother has done some substantially great things right. uh, in Jamaica, and to not to be sitting at home watching him on TV and knowing that he's your son, but you know, yeah. you, you don't have that. Finding out about all these things at the same time as everyone else, yeah. Yeah, I'd have thought he would have regretted that. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. So uh, just on kind of piggybacking off one of the things that you said there, 
which is that kind of you conceding that you know maybe maybe you can characterize it as I don't know either stubbornness or single-mindedness or um, not making a decision and and not revisiting that decision at a later date is characterizing it as maybe it's something that you either learn from your father or do, you, or do you think it's something that is just innate within you how do you think that 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 correlation happens well i think i think it's twofold so okay you know anybody who knows me knows that i am exceedingly confident yeah i i i think i have good judgment mm -hmm. i think i have the ability to assess situations not just quickly but thoroughly mm -hmm. and so you know we're talking about 40 years ago now yeah i came to this decision mm -hmm. and the man i am now says well you know i know paul paul would have assessed the situation he would have come to the decision on the right basis right. so that, that that's that's one side of it you know came to the decision on the right basis but the second side which i think more reflects him mm -hmm. is I'm not even inclined to reassess. Mm. You know, and that's a level of stubbornness. Yeah. Yeah. So my brother, and I, I made the point about the difference between me and my brother. My brother would have reassessed. Okay. And, I, and I'm pretty sure he had. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that my brother, because my brother went to his funeral and everything. Right. Yeah. My brothers would have reassessed and you know, not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it goes with everything about me. If you cross me, you cross me once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I take that on the chin. My bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 Never that, put yourself in a situation bad. for that to happen again. Yeah, that's my bad. I take that one on the chin. But I, 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 I like to think that. And again, it, it's, it's very much about your own emotional security, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, because I don't know about you, but there are only a few people mm -hmm. who can get under my skin. And and those are people who are very dear to me, very close to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's not a comfortable feeling when those people, I'm going to use the words, the best one I have, betray that, that sort of trust. And you don't yeah. want to... You don't want to go back through it. Mm -hmm. yeah? And I spent the first 16 years of my life watching him over and over repeat the same behavior. Um, most of which was focused on my mom. Mm -hmm. And that's just not acceptable. You know, mm -hmm. never going to work for me. Did it... Does, do you think that that upbringing of, that you had, well, that maybe not the upbringing, but the relationship that you had with your father, and um, and obviously that stopping at, did it stop when you were sixteen, or was it a bit after 16, that? Yeah. Okay, so you made right. So you so you made a decision at sixteen, and obviously you had no contact with him, maybe in passing, maybe in whatever. But you, when you've had no contact with him, how do you think that 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 period of time 
that's th those early 16 years of being with maybe an, an emotionally unavailable father um, and somebody who makes decisions that don't sit right with your moral compass even at 16, let alone as you grow older and get more experience. How do you think that has impacted your your growth and your growth as a man and then eventually as a father? Um, good question. So I think I'm going to say I was fortunate. Right. Yeah. Because even though nowadays, you know, you know, there's a lot of debate as to what a man is or what a man should be. Mm -hmm. I was in a situation where I had good, strong male role models okay. who were elders, certainly to me, who I was around, who I mm -hmm. saw moving. You know, growing up in Jamaica is very, very different from growing up here in, in the UK. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, doesn't matter what you think about Jamaica on TV, actually living there. Mm -hmm as a quote-unquote middle-class person is way different from anything you see on TV. So I went to one of the finest schools, which just happened to be the school down the road. Mm. You know, I, I didn't go to a private school. Yeah. But it's essential to those schools were we had a lot of black male teachers. Okay. Yeah which makes sense, you know, we're a 95% black country. Mm -hmm. But we had a lot of black male teachers, yeah, especially mm -hmm. as, as high school boys growing up. Mm. We, we did a lot of sports, which is great for team building, for working together and so on. Within my family, we had a lot of big men, you know, for, you know I think back now, they were probably just in their thirties and their forties. Yeah. 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 But they were there and they were in our communities and they were next door. You know, they were down the road. Mm -hmm. They were the taxi drivers, the lawyers, the, the pickpockets, the everything, but they were there. And so we had an opportunity. Certainly I know I had an opportunity to, to sit down, to reason with, to talk with, to watch and to be mentored, whether they knew it or not, but to be mentored by a range of black men. Yeah. Mm. And, and, I, and I, you know, I raised the point that my father's behavior was not exceptional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, mm. but even within his family, some of my uncles were very different. Right. And that tempered what my perception of what manhood should look like and it informed more than anything else how i grew up and how i view fatherhood yeah so mm. the, the cousin who i went to live with when i moved out um horace brown passed away about three years ago right these were guys who you know he had a massive house always welcoming, adopted children. You know, he was, he was a former athlete. Mm -hmm. So his house was always full of the athletes. 
So we, we grew up in a house of athletes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after training, you sit down, you talk. The coaches, again, you know, who were all men. And, it, it you know, school life in, in Jamaica is very different from the UK. Mm. You know, sports is everything. Everybody does something. Right. You don't do a sport weird. So, you know, you're on the athletics team, the table tennis team, the football team, the cricket team. Yeah. And they do sports. So you had a lot of references to, to, to strong stand-up black men. Mm-hmm. There was no scarcity of that. We didn't have the burdens of racism. Yeah. So we, 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 we just had to focus with be decent men or not. Right. We, we didn't have to do that within the prism of racism. Okay. Yeah. We didn't have to do that within the prism of, you know, you're growing up to be a man, but it's all absent fathers. No, mm-hmm. we didn't have that. No right. matter what you hear them say about yeah, yeah, baby, yeah, yeah. the baby father thing. Absolutely. But that's a subset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a subset. Maybe the loudest. I'll give you a quick joke. Mm-hmm. When I came to the UK in 1989, right. I was 25 years old. Okay. And I was staying with some family in Tutin. Mm-hmm. And I remember... We, you know, in the evenings, you know, we used to all sit down to dinner. I'd just come up from Jamaica. So, you know, we used to have these great conversations. Yeah. And one night, my, my cousin, Sharon, it, we're, we're exactly the same age. And Sharon said to me, Paul, so how many children do you have? Mm-hmm. And I said, none. Yeah. She kind of looked at me and she said, um, so how much does your brother have? Because my brother's four years older than me. Right. And I said something which the whole room stopped moving. Mm-hmm. I said, well, he's not married. He ain't got none either. And everybody's just stopped talking. Wow. Because in their head, yeah. you're a young Jamaican guy. Mm-hmm. As we said, a tree not growing in your face. <laughs> And yeah. you're telling me you have no children. Her response was, my mom's name was Carmen. She said, boy, Auntie Carmen must have kept you boys locked up. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the only way they could get that paradigm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it came to fatherhood, right. and when it came to where I would take my role models from, the moment I was certain that I wasn't going to take it from my dad, mm-hmm. yeah, then I... I had lots of access to men who I can only describe as family men. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the concept of being 35 in Jamaica and not being married, like, ah, mm. within my social class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're getting married. You know, I, I got married when I was 26. Mm-hmm. pretty normal yeah yeah mm-hmm. but over here in the UK you know you got 50 year old people saying boy I hold it out we're holding out for <laughs> yeah so yeah. so that was it so we had role models around us mm-hmm. and you know when you start to line up the fact that you 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 know what you don't want mm-hmm. and you've had a chance to see 
fathers operate in a certain role. Right. And I never wanted my son ever to, or daughter, if I had had a daughter, yeah. to, to think back at me in the terms that I think back at my dad. Mm-hmm. It became easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it became very easy just to, to say, this is the path you're going to take. When you when you saw these men, family men, role models um, who were not trying to be role models, people that were just living their life, but like you say, exceptional men for the circumstance and the communities that they were, or, or for the exceptional men for the environment or the experiences that you had seen at that point, right? Um, what what were the specifically what were the differences that you saw between these men um i'm assuming that obviously the oh, not obviously um maybe the adulterous side wasn't as prevalent in those environments or maybe they were i don't know but what what specific differences did you see between your father that you were raised with and these men that made you gravitate towards them and feel like you could emulate their. I think, I think it was. I think it was. And that's a very good question. I think. I think it was about. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, let, let me just clear up something. Okay. <laughs> very, very early. Which I think needs to be cleared up. Mm. Some of these men. Okay. Were adulterous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not chilling that. But the, the way I look at life is this you can't have your cake and eat it. Okay. Yeah? Mm. So you can't be adulterous and load. Yeah? You can't be adulterous and disrespecting the home base. That, that that may sound weird to some people. No, I, I, yeah? I completely I completely understand what you're saying. Like so, you're saying, so you're, and you're not speaking it what, from a condone, condoning place either. Exactly. What what you had, you had some men who they were doing their things outside. Mm-hmm. But you see, at home, mm-hmm. wife was treated like a queen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not saying that gives him license <laughs> of course to not. what he's yes. doing. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it doesn't compound the original sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you 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 as a youngster, mm-hmm. you start to realize that actually one-on-one don't have to make three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't have to behave that way. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a choice you're making. It's a choice you're making to be adulterous. Mm-hmm. It's another choice that you're making to disrespect the home ground publicly. You don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have the men who weren't doing any of that. Mm-hmm. These were just stand-up guys who went to work, enjoyed themselves, looked after their families, looked after their wives, and were just right. So mm-hmm. again, you know that everything is a choice. And it's about you as a young person, as a young man, saying, what choice do I want to make? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny because it wasn't until I came to the UK Mm-hmm. And I went to a lecture by a guy called Robin Walker. Why do I know that name? He wrote, he wrote okay. a number of books. There's one right there called When We Ruled. Yeah, okay, that's what I knew. I've got that. Written. And he gave a lecture about the expectations of a man mm-hmm. in ancient Africa. Now we're talking. And he, he, he talked about at the different ages, what was expected of a man. Mm-hmm. You know, and he talked about, you know, at a certain age, the expectation was that you would do your equivalent of high school. Mm-hmm. At a certain age, it was an expectation that you'd be able to hunt to a certain level. Mm-hmm. And at another age, you were expected to take a wife. And at another age, you were expected to have children. Mm-hmm. And then you were expected to converse with the elders and eventually sit with the elders. Mm-hmm. And then eventually be an elder yourself. Right. Yeah. So when you, when you don't know that mm-hmm. that is possible, then you just bounce around. But because I saw examples in my community of men getting on with life, doing all the bits and pieces at different ages, different professions, different jobs, Mm. I was able to say, you know what? I can chart a course, but always in the back of my head, Mm. I don't want my child ever to look back at me the way my dad looks. I look back at my dad. Mm -hmm. It becomes so much easier. So I'm, I'm not even trying to claim any sort of moral superiority. Yeah, I'm not trying to claim that. I'm just trying to say that there's a there's a level of circumstances that mm-hmm. lined itself up for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I hear you. Maybe if when I left at 16, I went to a different house where I didn't see a very stable family. Yeah, mm-hmm. my my cousin because he he's actually my second cousin, but we just call him cousin. Yeah, he was very stable, always looked after his family, strong family. When they wanted, they adopted a kid. That was who they were. Mm-hmm. You know, um, other school friends. I have school friends, you know, who we're still in touch now. And their parents married for 55 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's the sort of social circle I grew up. Of course, some were single parents. Of course, some were divorced. But in the mix, there were a lot of 55 years marriage. Mm-hmm. So you start to develop a template and you, you have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? I, I couldn't sit here and tell you I always was this nice, decent, well brought up man. No. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, I used to work for the Jamaica Telephone Company. And if you ever meet someone from Jamaica, just ask them, what does that sentence mean? <laughs> but you level out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You find your level, you level out, mm-hmm. and you, you man up. Mm. And, and making sure that my son, and that remains one of my big driving forces to this day, mm-hmm. making sure that my son's reflections on me would not look like my dad's became easy because it was just about doing the right thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So when it comes to the specific things that I pulled from what you said there were things like, um, like you say, not being, not being, not being loud, not saying for you, but I'm just saying that like, these are things that you noticed that kind of um, almost gave you the blueprint, which was respecting your, respecting your home base, as you call it, um, and treating, treating your wife the right way and making sure that your children grow up in an environment that sees, sees that. Yeah. Unapolog- un- unapologetically and it not being, um, and not making that man less than, less than the other man who is feeling like he is the be all and end all because he, he can do as he pleases. Right. Um, I also hear that the 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 need the need for your for your own self value to be in relation to your son when that when that occurred, but maybe maybe it came at the same time. But the need for your self value to be almost the same as what these men's, as what you envisaged, or maybe through, if you're at the same age as their children, maybe you're having these conversations or um, having some sort of understanding of the importance of um, a man being perceived by his children a certain way. Um, yeah, that seems that seems very um, that seems that's that's very interesting just to me because I feel like like you kind of you kind of alluded to that maybe if you were raised in a different social setting, for example, or you were only around your peers, um, or your and and your peers didn't have those examples around, then like you say, maybe you would have fallen in line with the consensus or the accepted reality, you know? Um, it's all possible because, you know, I wouldn't be being honest with you if I didn't say to you that, look, there are lots of different facets of households in Jamaica, you know, mm-hmm. like, like everything else. Mm-hmm. And you, you find your level, you know, you find your group. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I look at my social circle, I look at the friends I have, mm-hmm. of which most of them remain the same. Yeah. We're all kind of very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, we all kind of had similar backgrounds. Mm-hmm. We all kind of, all our children are almost the same age. Mm-hmm. You know, we all kind of got married at the same time. Yeah. You find your level. One or two people will be different and do things differently, of course. 
-hmm. but your social circle tends to be people who you know you get on with you you have similar interests you have similar mm -hmm. likes you know mm -hmm. um th that's a sort of background you come from similar backgrounds yeah you have a similar moral moral lookout and again i stress it doesn't mean you don't break out a one man don't break out and do something different yeah. it just means that it is something different. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know? There's a common thread running through. Yeah, it is yeah. something different. But, you know, it, there's no great difference mm -hmm. in the sort of social, social background. So if you go to certain parts of Jamaica, certain parts of any country, you'll find a, a class of people for whom, you know, life is very different. Right. I, I, you know, I grew up in a massive house. We weren't rich, but we were all right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Never knew what hungry was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Never had the electricity cut off. Yeah. Never had water cut off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never experienced those things, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that's my experience. But if you're a kid who's growing up in a neighborhood where every single woman in the neighborhood has no man, has 10 kids, it's very easy for that to be the norm for you. Definitely. It's very easy for you to start to think, well, or, or, or even someone say to you, how come we don't have any kids yet? Mm -hmm. Just like my cousins ask me. Yeah. You know, and you know, you're, you're 15, you're running road and somebody say, you know, what to your bedroom? Are you a fire blank? Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, that becomes a peer pressure situation. The girls are under similar peer pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it just is what it is. You know, we, we were going to school with 15 year old girls who wore ribbons in their hair. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Can you imagine that now? Yeah, he. A 15 year old kid now with ribbons in her hair. Them long socks with the little ribbon around the top of it and all them you things. Know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, this is the context under which, and again, I stress, I didn't forgive my father, but I began to understand mm -hmm. because we are products of our environment. Yeah. In, in and a, in it, so it's many so ways. easy for me to sit mm. here and mouth off and say, you know, you know, what, you, you had children before you were married? Yeah. But that's my reality. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's my paradigm. Mm. yeah that mm. is not a universal paradigm and it wasn't until i started to accept that mm -hmm. about my father that i yeah. was able to just start to understand why he was the way he was mm -hmm. yeah interesting just because i don't want to i don't want to kind of run out of time without touching on you as a father yeah right um because as i said that book was um differently powerful to me not only was it let's take even if you just took even if you took the fact that you're a black man out of it even if we just look at it as what the information contained within there for i might have mentioned it to you before but i did it, the first thing was just like okay um this information gives a blueprint of 
what it is to be a farmer in my eyes. And it almost, it almost gave, it almost articulated, it helped me, you know, it helped me articulate in my mind the, what, what I missed without knowing what I missed, if that makes sense. Because those are the things that you don't, those are the things that you don't pick up from observing somebody else's relationship with their father. Those are the things that happen in those quiet moments when I suppose a father and son are talking. And those moments that they are, that he, those private interactions, right? And it, it definitely opened up a part of my, I don't know, psyche, my thought, whatever, my brain, whatever, to now ask myself those questions of what, because it couldn't have been as simple as what the premise of the book is, what lessons do I want to teach my son? Because I just didn't know. And it was something that I definitely ran through my mind and thought about. So when I've, when I've read your book and I'm thinking about, okay, now I've kind of almost, now I know the questions to ask myself. Because yes, I'm going to use a lot of the lessons that you said in your book, but there's also going to be things where two different people had two different experiences of life. And there are going to be personal lessons that I would want to share that now I have a way of discovering within myself, you know? Um, so just from the conversation that we've had, I kind of get, I kind of deduced or whatever that you you got married and then you had your children, right? Yeah. Right. So, um, when you when you when you found out that you were going to be a father at that moment, was there was there a sense of apprehension? Was there was there any sense of you worrying about? repeating mistakes of the past at this point or was it was it a, just a purely a sense of you feeling ready and um almost wanting to just get started if i'm going to be honest with you please i don't remember okay yeah and, and, and there's a reason why i don't remember right. because my wife at the time actually had a, a miscarriage before my son was born right and what 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 we did was mentally kind of just say maybe you wanted this too much so just hold it down okay yeah if it happens it happens mm -hmm. and she 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 carried the first child to 26 weeks wow yeah Mm -hmm. So we were all in that very excited, yeah, all going well, you know, everything's running, and we had to come down from it. It was a hard, it was a very hard come must, down. Must, 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 must. So when she was pregnant the second time, we kind of just held it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so. I think that's why I don't really remember any massive emotion about it. Yeah. For a matter of fact, all mm -hmm. right, fine. We're gonna see if we can get to twenty-seven weeks this time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll work your way through. What I do remember okay. is the moment he was born. Right. 
Yeah. So all of the questions you just asked me then, mm -hmm. I can remember distinctly going through every single one of them because it was an emergency C-section. Right. I wasn't allowed in the room not to say I would have gone back. Mm -hmm. Let's pretend I would have. <laughs> and the doctor came out and said, you have a son. And I went from absolute elation of yet yeah, great, wonderful, isn't this great, mm -hmm. to panic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 26, 27. No, that's not true. My son was, was born seven years after I was married. Yeah, so I was 32. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolute panic. What on earth am I going to do? Right. Yeah. Um, financially, we were ready, mm -hmm. but it was a moment of realization of the huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That that would that would be the the, the main thing. That yeah. sudden realization of the responsibility, and you you may be too young to remember this. Okay. But at the time, there was a, a lady on TV. I think it's Anne Diamond, I think her name was. I, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. She had lost a child to cop death. Okay. And cop deaths were all the topic. That was all everybody was talking about. Yeah. I, uh, I rang my mom in Jamaica. Mm. And I said, boy, mommy, you know, in barn. Yeah. What do I do? <laughs> how, how, how does he sleep? Does he sleep on his back or his tummy? I don't know. Yeah. You know, my wife it was her first child as well. Mm. He was the first grandchild on both sides. Oh wow! So we have no nobody. Nobody knows nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody is big people, so there's no children on either side left. Mm -hmm. in our 30s and it's just that feeling of responsibility mm -hmm. you know, I, I stopped driving fast yeah yeah it, it was it's a magical thing I stopped driving fast yeah 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 all of a sudden you're thinking about what you have in the back of the car oh of course you know your, your whole dynamic well for me certainly mm -hmm. and what I've seen with my friends, and again, I talk about that similarity mm -hmm. of the circle. Is that whole change in you are responsible for this child? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say blind panic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's fair, and I think that's. Um... You would never believe we had nine months to prepare. <laughs> see, see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, all right. So, okay, so then obviously you you managed to get through that initial stage, and you managed to kind of get get to the 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 nuts and bolts and go and work out how everything works and routines and all of these things. Um, and then, in my mind, anyway, because obviously I haven't got any children as of yet, but in my mind. Then it comes to a point where maybe they're a bit more aware of the world 
and maybe can speak and maybe you're having conversations or I'm presuming that that's is there is that is that is that moment a time of uh, evolution of your role yeah so you know we, we always talk about not being a friend to your children mm. um, and I, 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 I had a conversation with myself mm-hmm. about how I wanted to how I wanted my son to see me how I wanted him to relate to me and for me mm-hmm. as far as I was concerned it was important that he saw me as his dad okay not his friend mm-hmm. not his uncle not his brother not his cousin but his dad and for me that word carries some weight so I, I look at the word dad to mean someone who is responsible for you. Right. Yeah. I am responsible for you. I brought you here. I'm responsible for you. So very early, because I'm a simple guy, I, I worked out in my head a contract between me and my right. son, which is you do the right thing and I will do what I'm supposed to do within the contract. So I will always send you to school. I will always give you the best that I can afford. As long as you're behaving right, you're listening to what I'm saying, you're in school, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's the contract. And, and that sort of spanned everything we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I was hard. Mm-hmm. But to be fair to his mom as well, we we both took a decision that, you know, maybe out of laziness, the more disciplined he was, the easier parenting would be for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. So that that was kind of the driving logic. Right. If we if we helped him to maintain discipline from a very early age, mm-hmm it would be an easier parenting road for us. And to be fair, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. But what that meant was we didn't go through the Google, Google, gaga, gaga, aren't you cute phase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was talking to him like I'm talking to you from day one. I agree. I agree with that. And people would say, oh, but Paul, he can't understand you. I say, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. he may not understand the words but he'll understand my tone Mm -hmm. definitely yeah and so as he got older and he began to talk Mm -hmm. it was very important for us to let him talk yes yeah let him talk sit down have conversations with him you know you know if there's i don't know which lesson it is in that book Mm -hmm. but i know that in that book is about talking to your children Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there's a point in there about making sure that you have a dinner table where you can put your children to sit down and let them feel comfortable that it's an open forum where everybody's voice can be heard. Right. Respectfully, but everybody's voice can be heard. 
and my son never felt that he couldn't talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those are the sort of things, you know, the house, you know, people were saying, oh, aren't you going to take up your speakers? I said, no, it's my child. Mm-hmm. If he mashes it up, who else is it supposed to? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The video, because we used to have video. You know video? You know what the video oh, is? You have okay. video in those days. You push your finger in. Yeah. And people say, oh, you know, you've got to take it up or he's going to put this in it. I said, well, no, he's not. Because mm-hmm. we didn't just let him run the house. When he walked over to the video, which he did, we went with him. Mm-hmm. This is a video, son. You don't put that in there. Mm-hmm. And you keep doing that. And you keep doing that until he gets it. Mm-hmm. And the only thing he ever did, I had some lovely mission speakers, lovely ceramic mission speakers, mm-hmm. and push him finger through them. <laughs> and it was painful. <laughs> Must. Yeah. It was, it was painful. Mm-hmm. Those were back in the days before you had Sonos and that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah? Some lovely mission some, speakers. Some top of the line stuff. Yeah, ceramic, you know, just lovely. Mm-hmm. And I came home and the boy pushing finger through them. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to do? Your child. Yeah. Your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted would be for him to feel like a prisoner in his house. Yeah. That's interesting. So, so you, 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 you have to roll. You have to roll with the punches when it comes to children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You set up your lines, you set up your default lines, and you have to be honest and trustworthy and truthful because mm-hmm. they will catch you out. And they'll catch you out in one of two ways. Either yeah. they'll catch you out and say, Daddy, but you did so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Or worse, they won't say it. Okay. They'll keep it in their heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's actually better if they say it out. But if they keep it in their heads... It becomes daddy's a hypocrite. Mommy's a hypocrite. That's very interesting just because what you said about kind of that wanting your child to to be able to speak to you, to feel like they have the scope to voice their opinion goes hand in hand with that because it might not necessarily be that the child is thinking um, I'm going to hold this information myself, not even necessarily to use it at a later date, but just because I want I, this is my information to hold. It might just be that they don't know how to pro- approach this conversation with this person that is so unapproachable. And it, as you say, it then festers and it then is viewed through the filter of this young and experienced mind. Um, and like you say, characterizes this parent, this father, as a hypocrite, as um, careless, as um, angry, all of these things. So yeah, that's 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 definitely something that's interesting to me. That kind of that definitely speaks to I think my upbringing in the sense that there was never that kind of. As you can probably tell, I'm a chatterbox. 
I'm somebody that loves to debate and talk and like my friend always says to me, like even if you don't even if you don't disagree with what I'm saying, you'll play your your talk as the other position just to have a debate and just to go back and forth and just to explore. So um but that was never something that I could explore necessarily in my house. So if there were yeah. That's the key. That's the key thing. So, you know, even as I was sitting here and you were talking, I was thinking about it. That that is definitely a throwback to my relationship with my dad. Okay. Could not talk to the man. Right. Yeah. And I, I and I'm I'm just sitting here now thinking that probably subconsciously, that's why that was such an important thing to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never really thought about it till just a second ago. Mm-hmm. That's probably why it was so important to me because I cannot remember having anything but lightweight conversations with my dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never had anything near the depth or, or anything. But again, he wasn't that type of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were kind of we were kind of delving into this, to this, to this this moment of change of, okay, now you can have conversations with your child. Now you can have conversations with your son, and start to. No, yeah, let me just say it like that. So start to kind of impart information verbally, and he and he and he then understands and. I suppose even in his young mind can make a decision whether to listen to you or not. Um, so, like when we talk about the book and the lessons that are in there, uh, are these are these things that you thought about before imparting them on your son, or is this something that are these lessons here things that you kind of taught your son and? kind of wrote them down afterwards? So they, they are a combination of a number of things. Okay. So what, what you have in the book, mm-hmm. uh, because the book was written when he was in his early 20s. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which was important for me because I felt it would be a bit hypocritical to write a book mm-hmm. about lessons I taught my son mm-hmm. before the 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 the, 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 the <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you know can you imagine me and you having this conversation and he's just coming out of prison yeah, yeah? I waited until I was at a point where I could comfortably say. Mm-hmm. Not just that he is now at the age of responsibility, mm. but I, I have seen that 
I can say with a level of confidence, he won't go off the rails mm -hmm. because those lessons have been bedded in. Stuff happens and it, it can happen. Yeah. But I, I have that level of confidence which I still have to this day. Mm -hmm. So the lessons are the absolute things that I thought about actively from the day he was born up until this day that I tried to do. Right. You know, so we talked about the the ability to talk to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I talked about having a dinner table mm -hmm. as, as a forum. Yeah. Um, I, I talked about stuff like making sure he has things like a camera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. some people might right. not get. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, making sure that he has these things and, and understands these things. So those were some of the stuff that I was thinking about. But then there were things that I learned from other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I would never even begin to claim that everything in the book was self-generated. Oh, yeah? yeah. A lot of them were things that I saw from other fathers, other mothers, other people. Mm-hmm. Because when you get under the skin of the book, you start to realize that it's not just about lessons to teach your son. There are actually a lot of life lessons for us as adults, whether you're a man or woman or indifferent. Facts. Yeah. About communications, mm. about love, about timekeeping, about respect, mm -hmm. about a whole range of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I wanted to document mm -hmm. what I would consider lessons I know I did teach him mm -hmm. and lessons which I looked and said, oh, that, that sounds good. You need to learn this too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I think I, think I definitely got the impression that this, this, the book kind of, it's almost like to create the, the uber human, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To create this kind of, all, all seeing, all powerful, all knowing human. If if someone was to follow every single thing in this book, I feel like they would be a pretty great person. Like not by necessarily, I don't know. Let's take societal standards of success out of it, but just as a the core of who this person is and how they view the world and how they interact with people and the the way they want to be perceived and the way they present themselves, great lessons. And it's great. There's a, a good point to point out that one of the lessons yeah. is not everything that is taught is learned. Okay, that's, that's, that's interesting. Go yeah. deeper. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I hear what you say about mm -hmm. creating this uber human. Mm -hmm. My son's not an uber human. Why? <laughs> and and that's, that's because in life, as a father, mm -hmm. my job is to teach. But that doesn't mean he's going to learn all of that. Of course. Of course. And, and it, it's, it's very important that we as people remember these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Because like every kid, he's made mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, he's made small ones, he's made big ones. Mm -hmm. but, but what I what I like to when I do talk to parents, I like to tell them that 
you know, I'm an engineer by profession. Right. And I like to tell people that, look, just think of your child as a hard drive that has no information on them. Mm-hmm. And you need to load them with information. Mm-hmm. That's what the privilege you get as a parent. Mm-hmm. As a parent, you're the one who takes it out of the box and has that opportunity to start loading it with data. Mm-hmm. And once you put on the, the basic operating system, mm-hmm. everything else will flow. That's why I, I, I repeat to people that it is such a mistake. Mm-hmm to think that a child between zero and five is just to be cuddled, just to be tickled, just to be played with. Sure, you're supposed to do those things, but you're also supposed to be teaching them lessons, mm-hmm. which for me is the same as loading up their hard drive with that operating system. Mm-hmm. Because what we know now is that when a kid gets to 10, 11, it's too late. Yeah. The basic program is there. Mm-hmm. And you can't erase that hard drive and start again. It just mm-hmm. doesn't work that way. Yeah. So for me, it has always been about your parenting journey begins with your mindset. What do I want? How do I want my child to be? Yep. Pray to God, Buddha, Allah, whoever you choose, mm-hmm. that you will start out with a partner who is on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. And that when the child is born, you apply it and you go for it. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you're going to get to eight, nine, and you're going to be saying, oh, that's how all kids are. And that's kind of not true. Mm-hmm. You know, when they get to 15, you know, I, I'm six foot three. Mm-hmm. His mother is 5'10. Yeah. And the boy's six foot five. Yeah. What, what, what conversation are you going to have with him when he's six foot five, plays basketball, goes to the gym every two days? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's not the point at which you need to be having a fuss and a fight. <laughs> You're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless that is backed up with respect, you know, mm-hmm. and, and all of these things, then mm-hmm. you're just going to lose. Mm-hmm. So you, have to do, you have to do your due diligence early. And you have to just just think about what you want your child to learn. And that's all the book is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I make the point that this is not about me being a great writer, because that's Mm. not what I am. Yeah. It's about what did I want my child to learn? What did I see my neighbor do that I thought, yeah, you know, that would be a good thing for my child to learn. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's that's where it came from. That's where the whole book came from. Mm. What do I want my child to learn? What are the things that I would like him to know? Yeah, and, and that's it. Yeah, as I said, powerful, powerful book, man, powerful. Just personally, and just even if I look at it objectively, um, it's powerful. I think it's got a good blend of, like you said, um, almost like a peek into what I would call like your family culture. So it's got the personal lessons. Then it's got, I think I remember seeing one, I don't know if I marked it, but I remember seeing one that you kind of said, yeah, you got this from, um, is it Tony Robbins or something? I like that one where it was about kind of something, 
something fire and then aim. Yeah, yeah. Something that, like that. That was, um, that was a, uh, sorry, ready, fire, aim. Yes. That one okay. there definitely was, it, 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 it clicked something in my head because even when you read the description afterwards, it was it's very powerful. Yeah, you know, again, I, I mentioned briefly that I, I was in the armed forces. Okay. And when you learn to shoot, right. that's how you learn to shoot. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. And that's yeah. why most thugs miss when they shoot. Right. You do ready, fire, aim. Because the first shot is a marker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first shot tells you how far to the left or how far to the right you went. Right. And then you adjust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And everything in life is about trying, doing something and making adjustments. If you're yeah. going to wait to get the perfect shot, yeah. you could be waiting for a very long time. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. you do something, you look at the outcome and you make adjustments. Ready, fire, aim. Love it. That was, that was, I think that was the, one of my, definitely one of my favorites. Okay, choices plus actions equal results. Um, I like that one just because I feel like um, actions is something that, similar to the, I suppose, similar to the ready, ready shoot aim, um, in the sense of like, it is so easy to procrastinate and to overthink and to, um, yeah, just not take action through one of through fear of getting something wrong, and I think that is something that. Okay, this is good because I can tie it into something that I wanted to say before that I didn't get a chance to say. That I think that that is something. Let me not say I think. Do you think that that is something that is? Um, important for a father to teach their son the the idea of or that the concept of giving them the freedom to to risk making a mistake because I feel like the reason I asked the question purely is just the fact that I think I can only use my life as an example of being raised purely by my mother that there is there is almost a sense of her way of arming me for the world or protecting me from harm was is to shield, is to not let try and not let harm come to you. And I've always okay, I've as a as I've got older, I've I've perceived and assumed that the role of a good father is to arm their child with the information and and like you said, be that support if it does go wrong. But let them go out and make their mistakes and have the support afterwards. Well, I think what I'd and say to you, it doesn't matter whether it's a father or a mother. Fair. I think, I think as a group of people, mm -hmm. as a group of people, black people, mm -hmm. we are very risk adverse. Okay. Yeah, we are very risk adverse. So we don't take chances. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you go on TV, you'll see some folks white folks going off to Spain, they don't speak the language, 
Yeah. They're opening up a, a chalet. They've cashed in their mortgage. They've cashed in their pensions yeah. to set up a chalet in the south of France. Mm-hmm. And we're here thinking, boy, I kind of moved to South London, you know? <laughs> we're very risk adverse. Mm-hmm. And the problem with being risk adverse is that the greatest profits come from most risk. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yeah. But also, you know, and not just talking on a financial level, mm. on an emotional level, if you're not willing to take a chance, mm-hmm. whether it's to walk across and say hi to that young lady, mm-hmm. whether it's to walk into that business and say, look, I'm the best young intern you could ever employ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether it's to stand up and say, actually, sir, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can't, if you're, if you're not able to think on that level, mm-hmm. you will not get the rewards that lay ahead. Mm-hmm. And the rewards come in two ways. Okay. This is very important. And it's in the mm-hmm. book as well. Mm-hmm. Way number one is that it goes right and you get the reward and it's all great. But way number two is more subtle. And that is, it goes wrong, but mm-hmm. you learn from the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. If something goes wrong and you don't learn from the experience, then mm-hmm. it was a waste of experience. Yeah. Yeah? But if we don't put ourselves in positions where we're stretching ourselves, where we're tape, taking risk, mm-hmm. yeah? And from a parent's point of view, you have to give your child the permission to make mistakes, right. to take risks, to support them. Look, I got you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to mess up, but guess what? I got you. Mm-hmm. If we don't put out that safety net for them, they will not know what it's like to really stretch themselves. Yeah? You, mm-hmm. you, you don't improve from a position of comfort. That's fair. Yeah. That's a, these yeah. gurus will tell you that you improve when you make yourself uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's when improvement starts. Yeah, if you're if you're a gym guy, how mm-hmm. do your muscles build? They break and repair. They break yeah. and repair. They break and repair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know whether it's your dad or it's your mom is irrelevant. But mm-hmm. parents, part and parcel of their role is to give children permission to take risks, to take chances, knowing that you're not going to say, well, you should have done that. Mm -hmm. But rather you will say to them, let's look at the process. Mm -hmm. How did you make the choice to do that? Mm -hmm. Because it's the process that needs tuning. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, when you look at the the rich guys in this world, they've got a process for taking risk. That's what they've got differently. You know, mm. they have a process to take those risks. Mm. So when you see a man who has a, a portfolio of 700 houses, he's not lucky. Yeah. He yeah. had a okay. process yeah. in place mm. where he, he, he can say with a certain degree of certainty, this is going to be a good deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what we as parents are supposed to be doing. 
giving our children these process making skills you know if you if you're a believer in the bible then you remember what christ said mm. yeah he could have made the fish just come out of the water but what did he say he said i'm here to make you fishermen of men to teach you how to do that yeah no yeah? and that's what our role is to do help our children to make those risky choices in a safe environment where you're going to make a mistake whatever yeah. well you you know that, that puts me in an awkward position because we live in a time where yeah. everybody's saying you know mothers can father children and all of that and yeah. i'm not that guy i hear you but you also did kind of just together almost give you that give you that i don't know if, i think caveat's the right word where you kind of said you know in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter which parent does certain things. So it's not like you're saying one is better than the other or one is more needed than the other. So, so, so my 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 way of looking at men and women in parenting mm -hmm. is that they are different but equal. Right. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. You know, men bring different attitudes and different ways to the table. Right. Than women. It doesn't mean one is necessarily more effective. Mm -hmm. In my view, it's about balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's why, irrespective of what anybody else wants to say, I will always say, two parents is better than one. Thanks. That's not to say you can't be a great mother mm -hmm. by yourself. It's not to say you can't be a great father by yourself. It's just to say that two great parents together are better than one great parent. That is just logic. That's mm -hmm. just basic logic people mm -hmm. tend to throw in but suppose this one's what list all right i'm not talking about them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know because you're not talking about one bad parent are you no mm -hmm. so i'm not talking about one bad parent in a couple i'm talking about two solid focused parents mm -hmm. nothing beats that because they bring different stuff to the table you know if i put it to, to answer this quickly in very basic terms mm -hmm. Going out for my little walk on the COVID, yeah. and there's a family walking. Mm. Three kids, mom and dad. Mm -hmm. They're coming towards the road, and the mom's saying, I don't know, his name is Billy. I'm going to call him Billy. Little Billy, don't run out in the road. 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 Dad says, stop. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's the bass mm -hmm. in his voice. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. The boy just stopped. Mm -hmm. And I have seen that play out so many times. Now, that doesn't mean the woman's not a good mother. Yeah. It doesn't mean she's ineffective. Mm -hmm. It just means, thank God she has that balance mm -hmm. around her children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of my friends used to tell me he remembers when, you know, when his daughter, whenever she fell over and mm. cried, mm. you know, he would be like this. And she just runs straight past him to her mom. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's the balance. Yeah. Because other things, she runs straight to her dad. Mm -hmm. That's where we need to be mentally. We need to stop making it a competition. It's not a competition. Yeah. It's about taking your it's about taking the role that fits you. Exactly. Three book three book recommendations. Um, and 
what I usually say is if I've read them, then you have to replace them with another book. So try and go obscure. <laughs> Three book recommendations. Well, um, I'm going to reach for this book here. I have to give big props to Akala. Okay. Yeah. Race and Class in the Ruins of Empire. It's called Natives. Yes. I've heard of it and I've been meaning to you and I haven't got it. So that's a good one. Incredible book. Um, I would say to you, if you're a news junkie and you, you like news and you like history, mm -hmm. then you need to read a book called The Pentagon Papers. Okay. They eventually made a movie out of it, came out about last year. Pentagon Papers is a collection of memos that were passed okay. between Pentagon departments just before and throughout the Vietnamese conflict. Okay. Tells a totally different story mm -hmm. from what we see in the movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely incredible book. And to think it's a work of fact and not fiction makes yeah. it even better. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, we're in a time where race is so important. So, you know, my childhood, I spent a lot of time reading. If you read books like, you know, they made a movie out of it, but the book is always better, To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. Mom, my wife has been telling me for a long time, to, to check that out and I haven't as of yet. You need, you need to check it out. To Kill a Mockingbird, mm -hmm. um, Lee Harper, or Harper Lee rather, the author, mm -hmm. um, turned out to be a little white woman, but it's an incredible insight into race and okay. class. Um, it's an incredible insight to race and class at that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I, I won't bore you with books like Malcolm X. Yeah, that's that's that's. I've read that maybe four or five times yeah, in my life. Because you would you would have read that, mm -hmm. but I, I always think we should expand our reading and read wider. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that book. I think I read it for the first time when I was thirteen, fourteen. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a powerful book, and I, I agree. I think a lot of people, a lot of people haven't read it, just purely because. The film exists. I think a lot of books stop stop being read by new generations as soon as a film exists. Of two it, more books, two more books. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. Really bonuses. Upset your, upset your head. <laughs> bonuses. Let's go. Upset my head when I was a kid. Um, and my friend Gregory, who is a police officer in Jamaica now, he recommended okay. these two books when we were kids. Mm -hmm. A guy called Eric von Dadiken, and one yeah. is called. Return of the Gods, and one is called The Chariot of the Gods. You can read them in any order you feel like. And they're both by the same author, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, just, I, I, I can't say much more about them. Yeah. But if you get a chance to read any of them, just like how the Pentagon Papers will reshape your mind about the propaganda Mm -hmm. around the Vietnamese war. Yeah. Those books will, will change the foundation of how you see things around you. That, that's all I can say. Let me just say once again, 
super appreciative. Um, thank you. I know you must be a busy man. Um, and to take the time out to kind of share too much information with me um, and and to allow me to kind of, as I say, pick your brain and just kind of help me to be a better person. What I definitely want to make sure people, well, you know, is that as long as it's all right with you, I definitely would love to put the link to the people being able to buy your book, um, that kind of thing, because um, I know that just the feedback I've been getting just from the fact of doing the Fatherhood series, a lot of people are interested in kind of these kind of issues and finding and people that are estranged from their own children. There's a lot of a lot of different areas that are going to be covered in the series. So um, as long as that's all right with you, yeah, that will be in the description, the link to be able to do all of that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, thank you so much once again. Thanks for sharing too much information and um, I hope sometime in the future we can revisit it again and maybe even on a different topic, who knows? Yeah, well, you know, thank you for inviting me. You know, it's, um, I, I like talking to young men who are still getting ready to trod that path, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's important. And, and again, it's about that conversations that I probably didn't have. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's nice to have those conversations. Agreed, 100%.